Welcome to season seven, episode seven of the Black Women Working Podcast. I'm Tolu, I'm your host for this episode today, and I'm joined by the rest of the ladies. If you will kindly introduce yourselves. Yes, Natalie. Good <laughs> morning. <laughs> hello, hello everybody, Chantel here. Oh, thank you, thank you. Everyone should know the drill by now, but just in case you're a new listener, you can follow us at BWW Podcast UK on Instagram and Twitter, Black Women Working on LinkedIn, and you can join in the conversation using hashtag BWW Podcast UK. And you can also check out our website, www.blackwomenworking.com. Now, today's episode uh, is based on a topic I think a lot of the listeners of a mid-senior level at least I would say have probably encountered at least once in their professional career and I think it's probably manifested in a few ways which we're gonna talk about today. Now as black women we are intrinsically acquainted with the concept of working twice as hard which is usually based on out attempting uh, to outwork negative stereotypes of us as black people but also to raise our profile above what many a times are the favored demographics in professional settings and so what this can lead to is us having an outstanding performance record yet little to reflect this in terms of position and pay cue us knowing our worth and looking for a new role so how does this relate to today's topic well today's topic is about being considered too much in inverted commas whether this is in terms of our skills and experiences for a role triggering a reluctance to employ us or appropriately compensate us or whether simply by existing as we are uh, which can lead others uh, insecure others to feel threatened in the workplace uh, due to our efficiency and or focus and assertion but let us first go into the uh, employment applications kind of strand of this so putting it out to you guys do you have any personal examples of a job application process and I would say for a role that was reasonably reasonably within your skill range um where you got the distinct impression or you were explicitly told that essentially you were too much uh, how did it make you feel first of all and then handle how did you handle it or those processes who's going first I've never had that but I work in a profession where effectively um your everyone is seen to be on a certain standard by the years that you work so I wouldn't go to another organization and apply for a role that wasn't at my level because the level that I work at like reflects how much I get paid but also how much people charge for my work so mm. I've never had a situation where I've like applied for a job and been told that I'm too much because that's just how the profession in and of itself works like every year it's like a kind of standard five years pqe six years pqe seven years pqe mm. um so it wouldn't make sense for you to apply for a job that's two to four years pqe um maybe unless it was an in-house role but even then it just wouldn't make sense because you'd be taking a massive massive mm -hmm. pay cut unless you wanted to do something like you had kids or you wanted to go part-time or you wanted to kind of take a step back because you wanted to look after your family or you wanted to pursue a side hustle or passion 
Um, so I'm, I'm, I've been lucky enough never to have that. Mm. Um, but I don't think it's clear as to what you mean by too much, because is it just qualifications? Is it personality? What, what does too much mean? Because if it's qualifications, so, yeah, then maybe not. But yeah, in this in this angle that we're discussing at the moment, it's in terms of qualifications, personality. I wouldn't really dip into it in application process because, I mean, what's that got to do with anything, to be honest with you? And sometimes certain people gel, sometimes certain people don't. But exclusively in this bit that we're discussing now, it's just in terms of like your experiences, etc. Shan? I'm going to take a step back. Before I respond, first of all, mm-hmm. let's just remember the you've got to work twice as hard is slavery mentality mm-hmm. that our parents have been indoctrinated with. 100%. So when we mm-hmm. talk about the idea of, oh, you've got to work twice as hard because of how you look next to your counterparts, that's not an attitude that we are born with. It's one that has been placed upon us first Mm -hmm. thing the second thing in terms of too much I don't have the precise stat but there's a statistic around the fact that women will usually wait till they've got 80 to 100 Mm percent of the job spec Mm -hmm. covered whereas men in comparison will maybe have half 60 percent that's the the kind of figure that you read around so I think when we say being too much and being overqualified, it's almost the steps that we take beforehand. And like, if someone wants mm. to change job, I mm. often hear them saying, "Oh, I'm gonna do the, I'm gonna do a course on." And yeah. it's like, but yeah. but you've been doing this for how much time? <laughs> just apply, right? And I think the battle between qualification and experience, and that's not to undermine qualification, especially mm. in certain technical roles, you might need to. But I think the idea of feeling like a piece of paper and letters are, are the weight behind you as opposed to you being the weight is part of the mm-hmm. problem on this topic. Mm-hmm. What I will say in terms of application is that very rarely will we actually know that that's the reason in terms of employers coming back to us because from a a recruiter's point of view, an employer's point of view, I know that there's a conversation around pay. So often people won't get the job if they are overqualified because then you have to pay them. But a, a re- employer is not going to tell you that at application stage. Um, but also there's the idea of moulding someone. So when I was applying for jobs earlier this year, I did have the one question around um you know you've been in leadership positions for the last how many years how do you feel about doing this and for me I was like because it was a kind of sideways I think it was a sideways step as opposed to a downward step but bearing in mind it was sideways into a different sector different career and for me I was like well the role is different I still have so much to contribute based on my experience being a leader is not the thing that I'm seeking out here. So for you to say to me, you're not going to be a leader, how do you feel? Valid question, just a check, ego check, temperature check. But we often don't get that feedback. And I think the point really um, pertains to what we value in terms of ourselves and qualifications. So I'm going to throw a spanner in the work here because I had that feedback many a time. <laughs> To be honest with you, um, I've been told explicitly in interview processes after I've gone through the whole damn thing that, you know, you're fantastic, you're brilliant, but we kind of feel like this is like 
not good enough for you or something like or whatever hold on hold on and um I've had that kind of direct feedback um I've had feedback where I've gone for roles where I know I don't even have everything that they're asking for and I've been given the feedback that you know your experiences are too much whatever but it kind of brings back to Shan's point as what we often refer to of imposter syndrome because maybe it's the case sometimes that we don't know the value of what we have to offer so we apply for things that are actually um not at our level or beneath us and in terms of that that's when we can get that kind of feedback but um that's kind of the reason why I wanted to discuss the topic actually because it is something that I've had feed direct feedback on in a couple of application processes and for sure it could be a case of the workplace um fobbing me off I mean generally I think it is anyway like what does it matter if a person is is too much no but the thing is and this is why I say it personally comes down to personality right because I'm not a rec- I'm not a recruiter, but I'm getting experience of what it is like to hire people once they've been selected, right? As juniors. Now, someone's had to go through that CV, they've had to go through that cover letter, they've had to make a decision to interview that person. That person then goes through multiple rounds of interviews. You're telling me it's only at the end that they realize that you've got too much experience for the role. It doesn't make sense. A hundred percent. So it I mean, that is the whole crux and the 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 whole crux and matter of the topic today but this like, is just... why I feel like it comes down mm. to an extent to personality in terms of the application process well if you think about it like this right and this is why when I when friends told me oh they told me I was overqualified mm. blah 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 I'm just like well I'm sad that they wasted your time but it's a good sign that they said that to you and you didn't go there because for me personally it's more about them not liking you or possibly being intimidated by you or not right. thinking that you're a good fit rather than you actually being overqualified because they would have seen all your qualifications and seen all your experiences before they decided to interview you. They would have known after the first interview what you could and couldn't do. They would have known after the second or the third or the fourth interview. So then it gets to a point where they're comparing you to other people and they're making an assessment as to whether they want you or whether there's someone else. And sometimes you do want someone who isn't as confident in the role because you want them to be a little bit more desperate. If you get someone mm-hmm. who's going to do the job and be super, super, not cavalier, because cavalier kind of implies carelessness, mm-hmm. but it's going to be like, this doesn't phase me, I'll do it. It's nothing. As Especially as a woman, specifically as a black woman, that makes people feel uncomfortable. Mm, 100%, which leads me kind of onto my next question or point because I think a lot of the times when people find themselves in this position maybe as black women their instinct might be to take it in the lens of is this due to some kind of racial or and or gender bias but I think what you've outlined here is a good example of where that is not necessarily the premise of how they're being dealt with or treated because you know people have a lot of negative experiences and sometimes they project that onto certain parts of the application process but you've given a good example here of where actually maybe it's just a job taking 
the piss in general. <laughs> Nothing to do with, you know, who we are sometimes as black women coming into the workplace with our mentality, faulty mentality of working twice as hard to get what we want. You know what, to me, I feel like, if I'm honest with you, two things are, are, are slightly being convoluted here because I feel like is is your is is your kind of premise that the reason you get this feedback is you that you apply for jobs below your qualification level and that really no no so the first thing I started off with is when you're applying for a role reasonably within your skill range and level so mm -hmm. what could so essentially we're discussing what can be the reasons for someone getting that feedback when they've applied for something that is within their skill range and their level mm -hmm. so then where does the twice as hard working twice as hard bit come into it so the working twice as hard bit kind of links to a later point that we're gonna touch on okay yeah exactly but I just wanted to kind of at this beginning stage get an understanding of both of your used to experiences in terms of application processes and what you face because like I said this is a situation that I faced many a times and I'm just like no that feedback is rubbish <laughs> But because... you know, do you know what it is? Do you know? Do you know what it is? I feel like there's so much in the recruitment process that is that is so subjective mm -hmm. that I never really believe any feedback that we get, specifically as Black women as well, is going to be 110 percent genuine. I don't, and I feel like in a way, it's easier to say, "Oh, you're you're great. Everything about you is great," but you know, you're just not right for this role, or you're overqualified as a way to 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 kind of be like we want to go with someone else but we don't know how to be honest about what we did and didn't like so we're going to tell you that you're overqualified because to me I have moved I've moved to practice from being a real estate lawyer to a corporate real estate lawyer and that was a big jump and a big change at a junior part in my career and I went on the basis that I it was clear I was very transparent I didn't know how to do the job I was going to need help I was going to need support mm -hmm. And I ended up leaving that business. So on the flip side for me, when I am now considering roles or going in-house or whatever I want to do, even if it's a charity role, I make sure I know I can do that job, which is what mm -hmm. kind of feeds into what Shan said about um, women applying when they've got 80% of what they need rather than men who apply when they've got 40 to 50% of what they need or whatever the statistic is because I don't trust that I can go into a workplace as a black woman and not have the full remit and not know what I need to do and be given the grace period to catch mm -hmm, up. To learn and catch up. Actually, to bring it back to the point that you were saying earlier, because there was another reason why I mentioned the twice as hard thing. So the whole concept of that, what I was getting at is we have that mentality. So often our skills and our experiences are over and above what um, our peers within maybe Caucasian demographics would be at that level and stage. So then we go for application processes and we would expect naturally to be able to get into those roles. But sometimes we get that feedback. And I think sometimes that feedback comes from maybe employers or certain companies not actually wanting to pay us our worth, even though so they recognise all the things that we can do, all the things that we're capable of, but because of maybe implicit racial or and or gender bias don't want to afford us that opportunity, which we know as a fact is true in terms of, you know, 
we've got statistics and I don't have them on hand at the moment in terms of uh, the ethnicity pay gap. Uh, and when you're looking at your skills and experience as a black woman or ethnic minority compared to your peers of a Caucasian background, and often there is a... Uh, no, let me not say often. I don't have the stats and figures, but often there is a disparity, basically, in terms of what is required as you of the as the basic minimum compared to what is required of them as the basic minimum. But you still receive feedback such as, you know, you're too much. Chantel. And here lies a problem also with recruiters and or organizations and how they value the work that we do. And I can only speak to this from my experience of late but like some of the jobs I applied for had asked for teachers like let's say for example I applied for an education consultant role consultant so by nature of consultant it means that the person needs to know what they are doing which means they would have had experience in that field blah 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 you're asking for a consultant but you want to pay them 20 what teaching salary starts at 20 what yeah Yeah, so me being 12 years in and you are advertising a consultant role like it doesn't match up and it's the same with um diversity and inclusion roles it's our employees ready to put their money where their mouth is if we're talking about because because to some end and i'd love hr and recruiters to come through on this conversation because we're only doing the guesswork here mm. but it's this conversation almost isn't about qualifications it's about what employers want to pay and how much they value the work that you're going to do because you ask for a consultant you want to pay them 27 but you want someone to do a good job so I come through knowing that I can do the job as a consultant you can't tell me I'm overqualified because this is what the role requires what it comes down to in that example is you didn't want to pay me which indicates not Mm. just that you don't value me because I can depersonalize that shit you don't value the work that you are asking to be done in your organization that's a problem Mm -hmm. like I don't I genuinely do feel like there are racial undertones with that type of feedback absolutely but like Shan says you know and like we've said like HR the land of Babylon we're never really going to know what their process is and what they and how they make decisions about who they hire um up and until we work in those roles and so I don't want to be too flippant with it but where where people tell me again that they've received that feedback I'm like look it's a blessing in disguise because if they did hire you they were not going to really respect you in that role Mm -hmm. and they wanted someone who they felt like they could boss about and I think what what maybe we need to address is the perception of what it is like to work with black women and kind yes. of assumptions that people make about working with assumptions that me people make about working with black women about whether they can take instruction whether they want to always be in control kind of the implicit stereotypes about us being aggressive is that maybe what where we kind of need to look at it with this with this feedback about about being overqualified because sometimes I do feel like it's a backhanded it's a backhanded compliment and there was a job that I went for in t- 2021 and I kind of got, I actually now think about it, I kind of got um, that kind of, they never said you're overqualified, but they were like, you're not a great fit. And when I mm-hmm. hear things like, you're not a great fit, I just think, yeah, you're racist. <laughs> like, maybe you know like, your worth. Yeah, yeah. You break my soul. <laughs> exactly. And I feel like it's just, it's like, unless you're like a surgeon applying to be mm-hmm. like a GP receptionist, 
And even if you are, like, even even if you decide that you want to take a step back, I feel like there is some perception that every time you apply for a job, it has to be a step up. It has to be right. a mountain climb up. Sometimes you just want to apply for a, you just want to take pause. You just want to take a break in your sometimes career. Sometimes you feel just like, need a job. Yeah. Or alternatively, sometimes you just need, you just need a job. And I remember as well, I was applying for um, in-house jobs last year and there is a massive gap between um private practice and in-house it just is but mm. I kind of felt like I need I was really tired I was really drained as you lot probably tell and I needed to do something that was a bit different and I needed mm. to take a step back and all a lot of the questions I got for some of the businesses for some of the roles I wanted that seems really good is how are you going to cope with the pay cut I think I've mentioned it on the post um on the podcast mm. before mm. and I was like I felt like saying well what is it your freaking that's my business, business. yeah is it is it is it your business? Just because you don't have the foresight to take a pay cut to do something right. different, your to progress your career, or to to organize your life in a better way, you can't see that someone else would do that. And again, I did feel like it was a little bit gaslighty as well because that I asked question, the question is out of order. I actually think again, it's, it's, it it was yeah. a WHIT HR person asking mm-hmm. me again, and so I feel like it gets to a point where, and it's really sad because it gets to a point where every part of the recruitment process, it can't just be a transparent process. I always go into these processes or I always participate in these processes knowing that race is a factor. Whether I am an interviewer or an interviewee or whether I'm like, you know, looking at applications, I always, always, always see race as a factor. And I don't think we're in a a post-racial um, no recruitment process and I don't think we ever will be so when someone told you that you've got too many qualifications I'm just like they're maybe they don't want to work with you because you've come across as really confident you've come across as and you are confident tolls and you are very like this is this this is this is this it's a to b it's a to b to c this is the process this is how I run things and you're very confident and that when you're a black when you're a woman that's intimidating. When you're a black woman, that is even more intimidating. If you were a man, there's no way they would say, you know, you're, you know, you're too qualified for that role. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, yeah, he's a man, he's a leader, natural born leader, type A personality. When it's us, it's we're overqualified. So Listen. for me, when I get that feedback, I'm like, yeah, well, I don't want to work for you, mofos, anyway, because <laughs> you're just going to do pet to fret to me anyway. A hundred percent, and you're segueing perfectly into the next section of this discussion. But I want to bounce quickly back. When that person asked you what you're going to do with the paper, what did you say to in response to that? Because I would have been like, actually, that's my concern, not yours. I would have said, I said to her, I've got money. I said, I've got money. <laughs> I said, I'm fine. I've got money. I said, I own my house. Cue the song. I get money. I- yeah, yeah, but I just feel like, and then obviously me saying that, I've deaded the conversation now. Yeah, it's, I, I feel like I've that's ethical. Like, how can you? That's got nothing to do with the. Like, it's not your business to know that the person who's applying for the job is working out their own thing. Don't ever ask me that question because the way I respond to it is just like I'll I'll be a bit rude still. But I but feel it, like, but I feel like it's a conversation mm. that they feel they can ask black people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yes. this whole thing of being grateful to be here and you finally right. made money and you finally done well and also I do feel like there was a little bit of a microaggression as well mm-hmm. in terms of you know am I taking a step back because it's I don't have children yeah but I want children so I'm ready to take a pay cut because I'm planning to get pregnant mm-hmm. and when I spoke to like some of my um other people in the real estate industry about this job particularly because mm-hmm. it really burnt me they were like obviously they haven't met you physically yet and 
they're going to do a, a Zoom interview because that's just they've only yeah they had a, had an, had an interview actually they've only done a yeah. Zoom interview that you they can't see my tummy they can't see my stomach and she's like if you get a second interview make sure you stand up to show that your stomach's wow. flat because I'm not married and I don't that's have ridiculous children. but crazy. that in itself is problematic for women too I'm really so sorry I, I can't but I this cannot. is what someone said to me because she said this is what it's about. and she's obviously she's looking in her 20 year career she's yeah she's a, she's a big woman to me but she was like that's what they're worried about they're worried I that would you're never to take a paper because mm. you don't have kids because they do ask you like you know marital status stuff like that and they need to take that that's stuff illegal off of application form it's not illegal to ask your marital what status. marital status it's is in illegal mrs yeah, it's not illegal to ask your marriage to stay. As in Miss, Mrs, Miss, whatever. Yeah. Or as in, like, what your relationship status is. But what's the difference? Marital or relationship. If I, if, what... Because they, it is, it's not illegal for them to ask about your relationship status. They can't ask any questions. If yeah, they're asking, if are if you I've, Miss, Miss? But if I filled an application out and I've said yeah. Ms. Natalie Carter, yeah. why would I say Ms. if I'm a Mrs.? If no, I'm somebody's wife, there's there's people that are married that do that. 100. percent I know yeah, some misses. Yeah, but a lot of them make that haven't sure. done miss. They can make they can make assumptions from that. Babe, in the application um, form, they can ask you for your marital. If you're filling out an application form on yeah. LinkedIn, they can ask you for your marital status. It's not yeah. illegal. They can ask that in the context of are you Miss, Mrs, Miss, whatever. But then anyone can fill out anything. There's misses that will fill out Miss exactly. because that's so the way I they go. Out, if I've said Miss. They're yeah. making an assumption that I'm single, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So again, if I'm then fitting into my point, so whether I've misses and I've said Miss or I'm Miss and I'm I'm a Miss, they believe I'm single because that's the information I've given them, right? Yeah. Exactly. Then no, I'm, I'm just making take... it clear to the listeners that if you're in an interview process, they cannot ask those questions. That's what I'm saying. I don't think that's correct. I don't know, Shan. In this country, you can't. I think in the... um. It's, it goes under the diversity and inclusion part, right? At the end, in terms of relationship status. Yeah, exactly. But, and but that's application. I've never heard of in the interview. They've met, no, no, no. They didn't ask me in the interview. Yeah, no, no. I'm just saying, separate point. They can't ask you in the interview process about things like that. They can't ask you about your kids. They can't. Yeah, ask but they don't you need to because you may have given like kids, maybe not. But ultimately, when you said you're a Miz. You've sent a signal to them that you're sick. Anyway, I think this is a bit of a reductive conversation. Yeah, the like, point, the point remains though that those are things that they can be concerned about. When, as a woman, you're trying to go into a new career or you're taking a pay cut, you're doing something different. They can be concerned that they're because in their head they couldn't fathom doing that. But there's a reason for you doing that, and they may make be making an assumption about your family planning, and they have and they do make assumptions about your family planning because they can't come out and ask you. Which is yes. why my friend said to me, make sure you stand up in the interview so they see that you're not pregnant. Yes, it's, I'm not it's, doing it's... that. I'm not doing that though. No, but let's not get sidetracked by that. You get sidetracked. No, no, yeah. no, no. But it is about it is about playing into narratives that people want you to play into, and therefore reinforcing the structures that be. So when I don't feel it, by the way. No, 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 I no. But if it. people are feeling a bit shirty, just using this example and thinking. Oh, maybe I should take opportunity to stand up in the Zoom or whatever. What we're doing subconsciously, consciously is saying, I understand where you're coming from and I'm going to appease that train of thought that they come with. I'm not doing it. Mm. I'm not saying people should do it. Excuse me, can I just clarify? No, because it doesn't, it just, do not it. just, 
not said, just that example. No, she knows. Why, we know yeah, that you're not, not saying that people. Not just that, that example, but other examples. It just speaks to the point of basically um, sitting in a level of desperation on the basis of what other people want, regardless of what we're saying, whether it's about standing up or sitting down or asking for a pay rise or whatever it is. Again. That is just a very tangible example of us reinforcing the expectations that we know are not okay. Right, we've claim. we've gone down this tangent now. I want to bring it back <laughs> to where I wanted us to to end up because, as touched before, there's been too much in inverted commas in the application, which we've gone into detail as to why that might be the feedback or perceptions that you're given. But there's also been too much in inverted commas within the job, and this can be really tricky to navigate, as we've all touched upon, because. The motive behind that characterization can be very complex to pinpoint and sometimes without being explicitly able to do so, challenging it in any kind of way can lead to the perception, whether willingly or unwillingly, um, of the person that's challenging it being dramatic or victimising themselves in a sense. So again, what are you guys' experiences of this in the workplace, if any? How did it make you feel and how did you deal with it? And here we're talking about people kind of giving a vibe or saying to you explicitly, like, mm, kind of, can you just like relax a little bit? Or maybe they're feeling threatened by the quality and the caliber of the work that you're doing, those kind of things. Who I've, go not I've not experienced I've not experienced this um at all. That's a good thing. And I think and maybe maybe that's to do with like my level of confidence both in terms of work and of myself and I think I've said this a few times this season about like just being authentically yourself and in that respect even though obviously much of my employment has been within a specific setting i.e school um I think there's also to recognize the value that you bring to an organization and we touched on this early like season one or two about like what does diversity really mean and the fact that actually being too much being vivacious being colorful whatever it is is sometimes I'm not saying that's all what black women bring but um that's what organizations need and so in terms of my personality or just being too much I think I've been fortunate enough that it's been welcomed, but it's also been welcomed in the sense that um, it's never annoying because I deliver in I deliver in terms of work. So my too much might be, and I'm not very too much, I don't think, but my too much might be, oh, you know, she's bubbly, she's loud, she comes in, she's got music, da, 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 but also best believe the same levels are matched with the work output so mm. you can't chat because you can't chat basic who can chat to me so what I would say to you Shan then because you've not really had a personal experience of that is well what's your best advice for someone who's listening who's in that situation how do they decide what is worth challenging what needs to not be a mountain to die on or alternatively how to play the long game to snuff out the sources of this micro or in some cases it can be a macro aggression for good because there categorically are people 
um, <clears throat> who go through this situation. I think when we did our podcast or episode back on the Twice as Hard book by um, Akoyemi Sofaluke and Raphael, was it? I think there were certain case studies given within that book of women who had been in that situation. Um, so what would your kind of advice be? Because it is a very techie situation to be in. I think the thing is, like with any relationship, friendship, romantic, even parenting, you could say, is like, if you find yourself altering your being to the extent that it starts to make you unhappy or it feels uncomfortable or it feels unnatural, you really need to question where you sit with yourself first and then where you sit with those in relation to you. Because there are times and through our career, through life, you grow and you do change. And there's changes that you like. You're around certain people and you're like, okay, this is a version of me that I'd like to nurture or invest in. But if it's to the detriment, you know, that whole imagery of like coming from home and taking mask off and all that. Mm. If you feel like you're a completely different person, like it is actually sucking the life out of you mm. to be one person nine to five. And then you've got no energy to be the person that you actually are beyond that. You really need to question what is of value to yourself? And then mm -hmm. are you in the right spaces with the right faces? Honestly, easy, probably easier said than done for some. I think I'm coming from pretty much the same experience as you. I've never really received that kind of feedback. And although you guys always say, oh, you're so confident coming across the other, I haven't always been that person, to be honest with you. And I don't necessarily have that perception of myself. I think the perception that I do have is that I'm a quick learner and I learn how to do my job and I get stuff done. So I think that's something that's been appreciated, luckily, in all of the workplaces that I've been in. But also I take into context, you know, the sectors that I work in are kind of the spaces that don't really lean towards toxicity in that area as much. I think someone who's come up in a corporate kind of sector has probably more experience of dealing with certain negative situations like this. So my advice really um, for that person would be to kind of take a step back and analyze what the implication of the situation could be because if it's just your regular regular colleague who's the same level and you know as you who's just you know throwing darts or whatever I would say just manage that as you would manage any other human conflict and just try to keep your distance and keep your job going um, if it's someone of a senior position though who's kind of trying to undermine you undermine you undermine you sorry in that way then I would say that's worth a bit more reflection a bit more interrogation as is this something that I want to deal with how can this potentially impact my journey or my progression through the workplace is this a conversation that I need to have with them and not explicitly calling out what they're doing but trying to get to the root of why they're doing it and also consider for yourself, is this something that needs to be escalated internally? Because actually it's bordering on the bullying and there is no basis for this person to kind of be treating you in this way. So, and again, this ties into Shan's point of essentially knowing your worth first of all as yourself as a human being knowing who you are first and foremost, and also knowing your worth as a professional. Is it worth your time? 
going through this in this workplace to get to where you want to go to do you have to stay there because sometimes I feel as black women we feel like every hill we need to die on we need to stay in these toxic workplaces we do not I went through a situation earlier this year where the environment was very toxic and I decided quickly that I know this ain't for me <clears throat> so I escalated it in the right channels and I was moved off that team well I was given the opportunity to to move into another team which I said yeah okay I'll I'll do it but also uh, extend my probation because it's still my decision as to whether I remain there and luckily that worked out for me so I do think there is a piece on kind of knowing what your limits are and not accepting you know a situation that's going to demean you internally as a person and in uh, also in terms of your professional self-esteem um, but throwing it out to you Natalie have you had I feel like you have touched upon this before one or two instances yeah, I've had it a lot of times because ultimately a lot of these places, they say they want diversity of four and blah, blah, and all that crap. Excuse my French. But what they really want is people who look and sound and act the same, in my opinion. And difference, the differences of in terms of like being authentically black in a workplace is not a difference that is valued, in my opinion. And I think they're still trying to get their head, head around... Um, having multiple black lawyers in one organization um and i think it really is a top-down thing so the firm that i work at now is very diverse in the us very diverse at board level and so it just follows naturally that the london office is very diverse and people don't have issues um just coming back to your your advice personally i always say to people you need to be very clear on what you want to achieve and what is necessary for your career progression. And you need to make an assessment as to where you are in your career. Because I feel like people say, oh, you know, if I've got a problem, I'm just going to complain to HR. Nine times out of 10, workplaces are not safe spaces that enable you to make complaints where you're gonna your complaint is going to be valued. You're probably going to be gaslit. You're probably going to be put on a probation plan. You're probably going to be exited out of the business. So I hate to kind of be negative about it, but sometimes in corporate environments, complaining to HR is possibly the absolute worst thing that you could possibly do. One thing I do say, and I do always recommend to people, is to build relationships inside, inside your team and outside of your team with people who have power, who you can trust. HR in corporate environments, they don't have any any power and they work for the business. They don't work and seek to protect individuals. So it's, it's incumbent on you, basically, not just to only have relationship with the person that you directly work for, but ultimately people around you in your business. I say specifically as a young black woman, where it's feasible for you to do so, try to reach out and talk to other black people at your level and also above you as well, to build those relationships, to build those sounding boards, so that when you are having these experiences, before you make an assessment about what action you are going to take, and whether it is changes that, small changes that you can make that are not breaking your soul, that can make your life easier, you have a soundboard. Because I feel like a lot of the times when I'm talking to young Black associates, not in my firm, in other firms, they don't have a soundboard in terms of, they don't have a way of assessing like, am I being bullied? Is it a lack of self-perception? Am I not understanding the culture and the environment that I work in? And 
when you don't have any understanding, it's hard for you to get to a point, like Shan says, where you can be like, this is breaking my soul, this is too much. Or alternatively, you may lack self-awareness and small changes that you mm -hmm. can make, understanding relationships in your business, understanding how decisions are made, can actually save you in terms mm -hmm. of your mental health. And I think when I look at a lot of the struggles when I was a junior in my career, I did lack a lot of self-awareness. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have someone who was like four, three, four years above me to be like, when you do that and when you say that, your heart's in the right place. But if you do it in X way, you'll come across a lot better. Mm -hmm. I also needed a person who was three to four years above me to be like, no, nah, that's racism. You need to leave. And a lot of these things I had to navigate on my own, which was very, very difficult. But when I look back at it, I do think, or alternatively, when I su supervise junior people, I'm like, mm. so the self-awareness here is like, it's just, is the self-awareness is not self-awareness in it's lacking and it's that, lacking honestly that i'm so glad that you brought that up because i do think one of the uh issues i think maybe with the gen z's especially coming into the workplace because they're in it they're basically consuming all this content on a lot of social media which is very kind of I don't like it sometimes because I'm just like, you have not gone through enough, got enough experience to think that you should approach certain situations in this way. I think there is the understanding of what is constructive criticism is bereft a lot in the younger generation because they're looking a lot at people who are a certain level and they've not understood kind of what it's taken to get there and a lot of the time what it takes to get there is constructive criticism feedback that is not necessarily always positive but you learn and you build on that and you know what like I, I want to fit that on its head because I feel like a lot of a lot of businesses are now trying to work out how they make their workplaces attractive to to Gen Z because businesses and corporations need new blood to survive. Like mm -hmm. out with the old, in with the new. It's ageism, right? And they're very, very preoccupied with thinking about how they can make themselves look attractive to younger generations so people can sign up. But one thing I actually respect about I don't even know if Gen Z is the right um category I but one so. thing I, I respect about younger people in the workplace is that they are beginning in a way to try to set healthy boundaries and understand that work is not life and I 100%. feel like I feel like but it's no, a fine feel, line yeah it's a fine line but I feel like they're actually attempting when I look at um when I started my career it was like I was falling on the sword consistently it was like I'm gonna give my life I'm going to give my all and now I look back at it as a 34 year old obviously successful senior associate but sometimes I feel like did I sacrifice too much for this job did I actually like, did I not have boundaries Shan what do I you think, think we're making two different points I no, think no we're I not because you're that, saying you're, yeah, you're what you're trying to say let yeah. me finish is what you're trying to say is that they haven't worked to get to a point where they can't listen to criticism or they can't do anything. No, and no, way... no, 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 no. What did you say? That's what that's, I heard. That's, that's what I that's heard. That's a little bit, that's what that I That is not what I'm saying. Let me clarify. So I'm saying that in this working um, life, you are going to have to have a mentality where you're able to accept constructive criticism. And sometimes I feel that they come into workplaces thinking that, um they kind of maybe I didn't articulate it properly but maybe sometimes they can come into 
workplaces with attitude of I already know it all sort of or if they're receiving feedback that the feedback because it's negative it's almost like someone has crushed their dreams and no longer can no let me let me roll that back what I am saying basically is there needs to be an attitude of teachability. And sometimes I think that they can enter workplaces not having that attitude because they're like, well, no, actually, this is the way it's done because they feel they know may, may know better because they're watching people of a certain level operating in a certain way and thinking that's the way that they should be operating at the okay. level and stage that they're at. So, I cannot operate so in the same things. way. Okay. Go, there's go there's two it. things. I I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying in that, in that you do have to accept that you are employed by somebody, and there's structures that exist, and there's people that are before you that know better than you. So take feedback. My and then I get Natalie's point in terms of you know perhaps sometimes as employees we can be too submissive in that, and maybe this generation are better at sort of you know creating boundaries and also pace in the workplace like I'm not going to do it that way if I know that it's not supposed to be that way but there's also the element of good leadership and teachability in constructive feedback and this is where coaching becomes so important especially from my perspective in terms of school when we are giving lesson feedback on whatever I can't step into someone's classroom and tell them this is the way you should have done it because this is the way that I would do it mm -hmm. because I'm a different I'm a different personality from you I'm a different skill base from you I'm a different subject from you and possibly the kids that we're teaching are different the teachability in feedback is about asking questions from both parts me understanding as a leader why is it that you've chosen to go down that route what's the benefit blah 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 give it I think feedback the feedback loop that's a whole nother topic whole nother conversation in terms of how you give and receive feedback um just to touch on that point of I don't know, I even know how we got down here but teachability comes with are you giving constructive feedback and how are you constructing that constructive feedback mm -hmm. I ain't got no disagreements here because for me part of me like Part, part of me feels like that what we sometimes what we want and what I have experienced being a junior is where someone has suffered and done blood sacrifice they want the juniors to do baptism by fire and blood mm. sacrifice and they can't take a step back and look at and be like the way I was trained I really struggled was it wasn't good it was foul so how about when I am teaching and training someone else who wants to do a good job I bear in mind the fact that some of the things that I experienced weren't nice and try not to get into that habit because I feel and I feel like where Gen Z are getting a lot of um and it's not just Gen Z as well because I see on Instagram a lot of this soft life you know logging off on time not overworking doing what is necessary for your job I look at that stuff and I feel like I wish I had those messages earlier in terms of one, not wrapping up your self-worth in validation from others in a place, a place of employment where when they're ready to dash you, they're going to dash you anyway. And also, more importantly, where you can move and work to different places. And this is where, when it comes to advice about people being, about how do I cope when I'm too much and mm -hmm. I'm afraid to be authentic, my, my first reaction, to, and I had one of those emails the other day, I need to respond to it. My first reaction is always, what do you want to achieve? Where do you see yourself? Like what is what type of work are you doing? Are you happy where happy where you are? And what does it actually mean to be authentic 
when you start asking those questions to yourself, then you can make assessments about the toxicity or the, the healthiness, alternatively, of your workplace. And that's where you get that self, your self-awareness. It's like a constant, all workplaces, I feel, in terms of personality and authenticity should be a constant assessment of, am I doing the best here? Is this the best place for me? Do I feel like I can be myself? How much is this encroaching on my life? And if it is too much or too little, if it is too much, what steps can I take immediately to to rein it back? I don't always feel like it has to be an, a HR conversation because as a person with a lived experience in corporate organisations, I always tell people, HR agents of Satan. So I don't feel like no I can one, go and talk no to them. No one said it had to be. It's definitely not. Like, like I said, you have to choose your mountains to die on. Like it's a potentially a HR conversation when it moves into the context of like bullying and singling out. But also that's the point that I really to kind of wrap this topic up is for people to understand what is their boundary and what is their limit. It's not everything that you need to escalate in that fashion and form, which ties back to what Shan said, having, you know, coaches or mentors that can be, you know, appropriate sounding board. And as you've said as well, Natalie, that they can help you contextualize any feedback or commentary that you're receiving so you understand okay is this person being very toxic towards me or is this a case of they've given a feedback that I am taking a certain way because I'm projecting certain mm. life experiences on but um this has been an interesting topic because I think there is I feel there's so many different threads and angles to it but obviously we only have time or had time to kind of really discuss those two specific angles um I think yeah I do kind of want to touch upon this a little bit because I did say have times of change, have times change. And I think actually what we just discussed just now shows that it has. I think, as you said, there is becoming a higher level of self-awareness from the younger generations. And I would say millennials too, like we ain't taking crap in the workplace just like that anymore. And so there can be moving forward um, many different ways to fight this characterization or alternative, alternatively lean into it and own it. I'm seeing a lot of kind of content out there these days that, you know, are owning the labels that people are being given in the workplace, which previously might have been negative. But people say, well, this is me. Either you take it or you leave it because I know what I contribute and I know what I'm delivering here. So I think there is a piece on how do you fortify your mind from any negative associations from being given this specific label and how can you repurpose it entirely for good which you may have touched upon before but I just want us to kind of concisely round that up now who gonna go first <laughs> so the, the question is how the question is how do you yeah so how do you fortify your mind from any negative associations of that label I think I think the I think the advice is I think the advice has somewhat been in in mm. your description of how you got to the question in terms of you know taking a step it's not every day react respond don't react mm -hmm. and so take on board the situation that you're being placed in whether it's an interview and the feedback or you get into the job and the experience and the feedback and just take a minute to reflect and sometimes that reflection needs to be aided by a sounding point I'm just reverberating what you said and other times it is about you looking into yourself and and doing a little bit of self-reflection how 
I think that I think it's always my thing is always about empathy it's always about stepping into the shoes of others it doesn't mean that I have to empathize with you it doesn't mean I have to act in empathy but in my reflective moment on my own one way is just to flip it on its head um in in that if my feet were in those shoes, what would be happening here to take a look outside of it? But also um, empathy also requires, for me, a removement of judgment. And I know that this is maybe a bit of a rose-tinted version of life, but to see it as that people <laughs> don't don't shoot me people are coming at you with good. Like let's assume good first. And then direct the conversation from, like, why would this person say something in a positive way or to, to make things better or to make me better, as opposed to perceiving it as attack? Mm, that's a good point, Nats. I just think there's no such thing as you being too much for anything. And you're not too too much for anything. It's nonsense. Um, any feedback or any process, recruitment process that you go in, that continuously tells you that you are too qualified. One, see it as a blessing in disguise, so you didn't want to work there anyway. But ultimately, again, realign your goals and understand and be understand and be very clear about why you're doing what you're doing. That when people do ask you questions, like Shan said, about going into leadership role, things like that, you've got very clear reasoning as to why you're making the change. But ultimately, you cannot be too much for workplace or too much for anything you can only ever be who you are and if you're working in environments that make you feel like who you are is is not you know is not a good fit or make you want to pretend to be someone else then ultimately that workplace is not for you and you need to plan your exit whether your exit is in two days time or two years time it is what it is but you know your exit needs to be your exit needs to be in the forefront of your mind and made at a strategic time basically there's no such thing as being too much if I had a boyfriend that told me I'm just too much for him I would get a new man so the same applies for a job uh in terms of my perspective I'm going to contextualize that a little bit because I do think there are instances where a person can be too much and this leans back into the self-awareness piece and this leans back into having a sounding board and people that you can speak to so you can kind of understand that um there are certain people who can be too much in the workplace whether it's the way they address people whether it's the way they deal with certain situations whether it's the level of their professionality i do think it's important um although the general rule is okay people are probably exaggerating when they're applying that label to you. I do think also, if you get that label, do have a moment of self-reflection, do speak to people with regards to, I don't know, whether it's your conduct, whether it's the work that you're doing, so you can understand if it's actually fact or fiction, because there are sometimes people in the workplace, especially who I've encountered as well, who can definitely do the most. But again, you're going to need to work that out for yourself and navigate accordingly. This has been a very interesting topic, but unfortunately we come into the close of this. So as always, thank you so much for listening. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to get the word out. Uh, you can keep the conversation going on social media using our hashtag BWW Podcast UK. 
or at us on Twitter and Instagram, which is at BWW Podcast UK. Email us or DM us if you want to ask us a question. Alternatively, we love having your positive feedback or even constructive criticism because we do definitely get that as well. And you can also check out our website, which is Black Women Working UK. No, it's not. It's www.blackwomenworking.com. And that's it from us today. Um, everybody, let's say goodbye now. Bye. Thanks, Charles. Layers. Bye.